folks. Welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. Uh, we are, well, two thirds of us are drinking beer right now, so strap in, folks. Um, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding about drinking beer, but I'm kidding about strapping in. We'll be fine. Uh, we have a bunch of books to talk about this week. It, we're going to talk about the comics that are released on the 17th of April, 2019. Um, but first, boys, uh, Zach kind of joked about this before the show, but real quick thoughts on the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. Zach, go ahead. Oh, sorry. The audio cut out there for just a second. What did you say? I said your thoughts on the Episode Nine trailer. Go. Oh, it looks great. <laughs> That's not what you really think. Has it always looked great, Zach? Yes, it always looked great. <laughs> no, I said that I thought Ray jumping over a TIE fighter was stupid, and I don't want Palpatine to come back. But the rest was all great. All right, Everything so, else but so those 70, things were great. 75% of the trailer was shitty, then, you're saying, and the, the other 25% was great. Uh, no, no. There more of the you are misremembering the contents of the trailer uh-huh. um i did i did appreciate once people started posting the like side-by-side screen caps of the ray tie fighter bit with the north by northwest um scenes mm-hmm. um that was <laughs> i'm cool. just trying to dodge this tie fighter yeah i still don't fancy know. Or special. <laughs> i i was i don't I, it's one of those things that will I hope will make more sense in the movie. Um, I bet like, that's a, I, I bet that's like a um, Ray in the cave on Dagobah scene. Now that would be awesome. That would be great. Yes. Okay. If it, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that would be great. I will take that. Um, I just realized Jimmy Stewart's not in North by Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> say, say, are, are they in this movie? But still, I don't have I don't have a good Cary Grant, so oh. handsome. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I I don't really want Palpatine to come back. Um, but maybe it'll be cool. I, I Force Awakens was great. J.J. Abrams is great. He made my favorite show. Um, <laughs> second favorite show. Atta boy. Uh, Third favorite show once Damon Lindelof's The Watchmen comes out. Of course. <clears throat> Vincent, about you? What do you think of the trailer? I just think um, Ray, more like Bay. <laughs> you said it, baby. Um, no, I think that there's a lot of fun in the trailer, and while the Palpatine Palpatine thing doesn't really get me excited, I think it'll be equivalent to like the Yoda Force Ghost from The Last Jedi. I don't think the plot's going to be about how Palpatine's back and he's good again. I, the only the thing that gets me most excited about Palpatine being involved is it means like for sure Vader's going to be involved and let's just let's get Hayden Christensen back to work. <laughs> See, I don't want Vader involved at all. Oh, I want Hayden Christensen to get back to work. Guys, I think I'm becoming a prequel apologist. Oh no, I'll say this. I would rather see Shattered Glass 2 or My Life as a House 2 than I would see Hayden Christensen in another Star Wars movie. And I oh, like Hayden Christensen, wrong. but... You're wrong. He seems like a fine guy. It really sounds like they're... they're this, is the, this isn't just the ending to this trilogy. It's the ending to all trilogies. But no more so, Star Wars after this. And, and wow. no more Star Wars. 
Hayden Christensen's going to be in this movie. Um, as I said on Twitter, I find it interesting that all three uh, sequels teaser trailers begin with heavy breathing. I'm sure it's coincidental, but it's just very funny to me. Um, oh, you want to know what else I decided recently? What did you decide, Zach? I, I, I so that night in my in my um, wine addled state, I re ranked the Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay. Um, and I decided. <laughs> You might edit this out. I don't know if nope. I want this to be on air. Nope. Um, I decided that I think. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this giggly yep. boy. I decided. That <laughs> <laughs> I decided that I think Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi. <laughs> uh... <sighs> it's closer than I would like to admit, but I still think no, Jedi is better. Mm-mm. No, it's not close. Well, Vince, you're going to talk with me about Return of the Jedi in a few months, right? I am, yes. I can't wait. And Zach, oh. you're going to talk to me about Revenge of the Sith in a few months, right? I am, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Force Goes Coast to Coast coming at you on Fridays. What's up, what's up? We should just do it all together. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who would listen to the three of us talk for a couple hours? Oh. <sighs> anyway, um... Before we get into the comics this week, we were talking before the show about DC Universe and a bunch of the things that are now on there. And I, I've been trying to think of a way that we can incorporate sort of more of the DC Universe content into this show. And so I actually want to ask the fans, the listeners, I, we're calling you guys fans, you probably hate us, but those <laughs> uh, people people that listen to us... They definitely hate me now. Uh, yeah, probably. No I don't know, there's a, there's a contingent out there who agrees with me. Yeah. The Zach stands. Um, but no, uh, you know, I want to ask the fans sort of, would you guys rather us do like pick a random issue from, from DC universe once a month to talk about, would you rather us do like a book club like we were doing in the past? Would you rather us do sort of pick a run and, you know, over six months, give little updates on how we're reading it? Like, what do you guys want to see us do? Zach do you want us to read 1,000 issues of a single series? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Only a crazy person would do that. Um, but really, do you guys have any have any sort of uh, preference with that sort of stuff? Are you asking me or the, you, I'm asking, or the I'm fans? I'm asking you, but we're, we're going to listen to the listeners, but I'm interested in what you guys think, too. Oh, who listens to the listeners? Yeah. Damon Lindelof. Yes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um... I I think that they could all be fun. I they would all be fun. I would prefer not to read more than two extra issues per week. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, if we decide we're going to read the entire run of X book, we could take a year to do it. Oh, it wouldn't really matter. That we're a DC podcast, Brian. Ha 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 ha. Vince, you're you're the long read boy. Yeah. Well, what would you like to, to see us do? Um, let's talk about Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> Can we do that? No. <clears throat> no. Um, I, I'm up for anything. Anything that you make me do. As as you know, if you make me read a book, I will read it. And so, you know, Brian, you you hold the key. Why don't you start this. with the Bible, you heathen? Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Book of Mormon, go. 
the novelization of the play. Hase Ibo Dibowai? How does that go? I have no idea. <laughs> it means uh, fuck you, God. <laughs> um, yeah, but so anyway, uh, tweet at us, uh, at Vince, at, at Jack and myself, rather. Vince is... Uh, <laughs> Vince is nowhere to be found on the internet. I didn't do it this time. I really meant to say, in my mind, I'm saying, don't say Vince, don't say Vince. And so then I had to say Vince. <laughs> don't say doing your wife. Don't say doing your wife. Yeah. Um, but tweet at son. Zach and I and let us know if you'd like us to do like a more protracted, like longer run that would take, you know, that would, we'd take, you know, six or eight months years. to read or possibly years or just do like kind of random issues here and there. But yeah, let us know. So, uh, at Brian is app at Looker Fox. All right, let's get to the books this week. First up, are you guys ready? We have a very nice issue of Batman. Batman number 69. <laughs> and... Oh, you liked it too. <laughs> sure. Uh, this was written by Tom King, illustrated by Yannick Paquette. Vince, start us off here, buddy. What do you uh what do you think about this issue? Well, I wasn't lying. I actually, believe it or not, liked this issue. Um I'm I'm gonna say the bad stuff up front because I think that's the way that we <laughs> that's the way that we tend to handle <laughs> even the issues of this book that we like. Um the one bad thing about this issue, I think, is that it doesn't really contain any new information at all. <laughs> Correct. All of this stuff between Bruce and Selena, like these exact arguments for and against their relationship have been made in other issues in the wedding issue itself in a couple of the issues since then. Literally nothing fresh here. But it works as a nice summary. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, of sort of the, the the trials and tribulations of their of the psychological aspects of their relationship so far, um, I've said on the show before that I think the stuff between Bruce and Selena is the most interesting stuff that Tom King is doing. It's the stuff I'm the most invested in, and I also think it's the despite the bat cat bat cat thing that we like to make fun of, it's the least cringy stuff that he does. I think I that's my my opinion of it. And um, I, I think this issue is no exception. And I think the biggest take home point about Batman 69 is the Yannick Paquette art, which um, I don't know what you guys think. I'm sure you'll tell me, but uh, every page of this thing is absolutely gorgeous from the actual line work to the construction, I guess, like the naked uh, Bane <laughs> and Thomas Wayne stuff, is not like a marvel of construction or anything, but it looks fine. But but all the Bruce and Selena stuff with them dancing through the eras and just the way the the pages are constructed, it's mind blowingly good. I think I'm a huge Paquette guy, um, and I think like from a pure like the way that his art works in the form of a comic book, this is some of the best looking stuff I've seen from him. Uh, he does a lot of inventive things with panel work. 
it all works. None of it's confusing. Um, it was a really stunning book to look at. And I think that more than anything, uh, made this one of my favorite issues of this Tom King run, uh, of which I've had very few. Um, but I just like, I'm invested in the subject matter too. And so, um, you know, this is one of, uh, you know, maybe 10 issues out of 69 that I, uh, that I've really, really liked. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this week I can say something nice about Tom King, Batman. Zach, would you care to respond to that? I, I can't really disagree. The Paquette art is really good. I think that, I mean, if any issue is kind of a, uh, well, I actually, I want to, I want to reel back just a little bit because I think we've had a lot of issues like this, not a lot, a lot, but more than you'd expect. Like there's probably been at least three or four issues of the run that have been this exact same thing. Um, I think of all of them, maybe this is the best one that kind of just gets at the heart of the run. Like what King is doing, like what matters this, this run is about Bruce being Batman. And it's about his relationships primarily with three people, Selena, his dad and Bane. And it's, it's a, it's a good one that handles that. Um, yeah, I agree. The The scenes with Bruce and Selena are really, really great artistically. Um, molto bene. Um, <laughs> well played. And yeah, I think that this arc is... It's a weird one. I, th- I actually think that the, this issue does wrap things up nicely the way he kind of talked his way through the dream through the dreams through the nightmares was good i i think that this arc when read as a collected edition will probably be a lot more palatable maybe that's just me um It's still kind of a whole lot of nothing, but yeah, this issue was fine. Um, so I, I probably dislike this issue more than you guys did, but I don't, I don't think this is a particularly bad issue of Tom King's Batman. Um, I just think that there's a couple of things that really bugged me about this issue, and they're all sort of emblematic of the run in general. The first is, as Zach just said, this issue was a whole lot of nothing. There is, and as Vince said, no new information is given whatsoever, except you see a little bit of the Thomas Wayne Bane relationship being different than I guess maybe we expected it to be. But in terms of the Bruce Selena stuff, none of that's new. All that has been done before, and in some cases better, in some cases worse, but you're not getting anything really new out of this. So it bugs me that we've had like six or seven issues of this nothing arc, and we really haven't learned anything new in those six or seven issues. I'm also kind of bugged by the idea that, like, I don't buy what King says Batman's greatest fear is. I feel like that whole sequence just doesn't really ring true to me. And so I think that there, there are good reasons for Bruce and Selena to not get married. I don't think that the way King expresses it is particularly good or clever or, accurate to the character that I 
that I know and read every every month or seems like every week. Um, <laughs> you know, so I have a problem with with that as well. And I guess my my overall just general feeling about this issue is that I don't understand why this or so many of these issues exist. Like, it, yes, the Paquette art. Oh, yeah, it's total padding. The yeah. Paquette art is gorgeous, and that guy should be drawing a whole lot more because, I mean, he, you know, I wish he was drawing a whole lot more. No, he should be. I'm sure he's working very hard on what he does. But, you know, I, I wish that guy drew more because I, I love watching his art. But I just, I just can't get that behind this issue because it just never stops amazing me how little has happened in this entire run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally valid. What do you guys think about Bruce's greatest fear? Um, I agree that I don't think that that I I agree that I don't buy it, but I think it's the type of thing that a writer sets up and I can I can extend my suspension of disbelief to you know, Batman's Batman's really broken right now and this is clearly some sort of manipulation on Bane's part. And so it doesn't matter if it's true or not, like in the moment, it feels true Bru- in the, in the moment, Bruce is being faced with this as a truth. And he, and because he's in a, um, vulnerable state, he's inclined to believe it in some way, you know, you know what I mean? And, sure. and then by the end, I, by the end, I do think it'll bear out that, Bruce and Selena will be together or something, you know, there'll be some closure, even if they're not together, there'll be some closure on this idea that, uh, that Bruce can't be happy and be Batman or can't find love and be, and be Batman at the same time. You know, there'll be some sort of, um, so, so I think you're right, but I think that is part of a greater narrative that's being used against Bruce in a way more than it's, more than it is an essential truth of the character. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, the more I read this, the more I get the feeling that this arc is going to end like Chasing Amy, where <laughs> it's going to be like a love triangle between Bruce and Bane and Selina. Yeah, and the, and the only way to solve it is that they all <laughs> have sex together. Have sex. Yeah, yeah, right. Zach, what do you think of this idea of uh, sort of Bruce's greatest fear? Oh. What was it again in the issue? I don't even remember. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to find the exact way it's worded here. It, your greatest fear is, your, is the simplest truth. You don't love me. Oh, uh, okay. And the, the, the premise being that... that I, I think that all context, he loves is being Batman. I think yeah. in the context of the story, that's fine. I... Um... I think, I don't know, I think runs like this just make me, and I I know I say this over and over again in in different ways, but this run in particular and and other Batman adjacent things right now just highlight like how lame of a character Batman is to me. (laughs) Um, This just reminds me what he's afraid of. Did either of you watch much of Batman the Brave and the Bold? A little bit. 
I've seen a lot of like clips and things. I never okay. watched it, um, but I'm very familiar with it. It's good. You should, uh, and it's on DC Universe. You should watch it there. But um, I feel like this is exactly a thing from Batman: The Brave and the Bold, where some character would be like, "Bruce, this is your greatest fear," and he'd be like, "Bees." Like not bees, it's you know the Joker. He's like, no, it's bees. Like you know, I just feel like it's just setting up like a joke retort. But there is no joke here, you know, or even like a Lego Batman type, you know, joke with this. It just, it just reads, it just reads so dull. I don't know. I don't know. I am ready for something new in this book, even if it's just Tom King getting out of the nightmares thing. Mm-hmm. So luckily, next week, I hope, or next month rather, we'll have uh, we'll have more. All right, that brings us to it's finally here, boys. The finale of Damage, <laughs> written by Robert Venditti. Are you oh, sure? Oh, I'm I'm sure this time. Yes, it says right on the cover. Damage is done. Damage is done, and it's a Spider-Man homage. And I yes, guess I believe in. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that. Nice. Uh, written by Rob Venditti, I... illustrated by uh, Aaron Lepresti. When was the last time, Zach, you read an issue of Damage? Um, it was, um, I think, the one with Wonder Woman in it. I think that was like number 12, maybe. Maybe. Maybe even earlier than that. I don't know. Vince, what about you? Well, uh, last month, because you tricked me into thinking that it was. I was legitimately wrong. I did not trick you. This was not me trying to get you to read an issue of uh, Damage. Yeah. Uh, I've read every issue of the series. Oh, my gosh. Because I'm an asshole. Look at you. I don't know why. But here we are. Um so Zach, because you you've had the least amount of time with the character recently, did this issue do absolutely anything for you? Not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not I, even Congo Bill. No. I got confused because I thought I was I I got Congo Bill and Congo Rilla mixed up. I knew you were gonna say that, and I knew you were gonna get excited because of that uh, James Robinson Justice League arc for Congo Rilla. And Starman yes. were in it together. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, they basically are. They're the same. They're the same thing. Are they the same thing? Yeah, they are. Yeah, like literally the same Bill, thing. Was yeah, Congo Cong- Bill in that run? I don't think so. All the Congorilla stuff I've read, I think he doesn't transform back and forth. He's just always Congorilla. Yes, I think that's true. Um, like. Yes, in like the modern, modern like '90s, post '90s JLA stuff, he's always he's always Congorilla. But he, Congo Bill was his like golden age origin. Okay. They're they're the same guy. And and note that I don't even think that in this issue or the last one. Do they even refer to him as Congorilla when he's Kong in gorilla Gorilla form? is Congo Bill. They're the same. No, they refer to him yeah, as the... Yeah, suck bo- it. Is it the Golden Gorilla? Right, uh-huh. which is Congorilla. Like, that is what... It just seems like it's a comic about Elvis, but they keep calling him the King of Rock and Roll. Like, instead of calling him <laughs> Elvis, like, call him Congorilla. We all know who that is. Well, it almost feels like... to You know what it feels like to uh, me? 
But. It feels like they're tr- they're trying to move forward in a post rebirth uh, landscape. Maybe trying to say Kong Gorilla and Congo Bill are two different things now, even though they're not. Mm-hmm. And like nobody could possibly care to argue with them, right? <laughs> sure. No- nobody's gonna be like, "Hey, I'm the world's number one Kong Gorilla fan, and you you guys are fucking this up," you know? So so in Justice League. Congo Bill is trapped in his gorilla form after the death of his human body, and he is going exclusively as Congorilla. Okay. Ah, there you go. It's almost like how there's some uh, James Bond movies where they can't call him Blofeld. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I was not aware of that. Yeah, there's like there's like a rights, except in this case, there's not a rights issue, but there was like some rights issue where they couldn't call him Blofeld. But there was still a character who was basically Doctor Evil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what it felt like to me reading this issue. Yeah, there's just a whole lot of nothing here. Yeah, yeah. I man, what a nothing ending too. He just dies on the way back to his home planet, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was rescued by, uh, let's say, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's that's the better, the the better Simpsons reference there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was rescued by Mo. Yeah, he, he literally that is literally the same ending. Yeah, that exactly. Episode. That's exactly. Oh man. Um, like I know that there is a place in DC Comics for stuff like, you know. Monster Island or whatever this island is called that isn't quite Monster Island, but is essentially the same thing. Um, I just can't remember somebody recently doing those stories very well. They always seem like missed opportunities to me. And mm-hmm. it just seems to me like this book never really moved past its initial, like, hey, the Hulk, but on a timer concept. You right. Know, there's just there's just, every issue I ever read did that. That's that's literally every issue, Zach. And occasionally, like three or four issues in, uh, he realizes that he can like that he can communicate with damage while he's in while damage is like the dominant force. So it's half like Firestorm, half Hulk, essentially. Um, but it's just it's just not very interestingly done. And uh, I, this is a character that I feel like could easily be, like, part of Task Force X. Or could be a random team member on a future book, you know, when they need it. Sort of a, a really powerful bruiser character. But why would anyone choose to use this character over literally anyone else? We, we have not learned much about this character. We have not gained much affinity for it. I don't. I really think he he might, to quote Vince, be lost on the way back to his home planet. Because why would why would this character show up again? Yeah, I think that's right, and I think that speaks to like the greater problem with all these New Age of Heroes books. I don't think the best idea was to launch all these full series starring these totally brand new characters 
and expecting people to go along with it. It was so predictable from the start. And in fact, you know, we mostly did predict that it was going to flame out that very few, if any of them were going to catch on. And, and then once you're canceled, you're canceled, you know, but it would have been much better. Now I, I, I think the reason why they all got their own book has something to do with, you know, maybe royalties or writers or uh, rights for the, for the creators, you know? Um, but it would have been better. I think if they would have tried to sneak some of these characters onto already established teams, kind of like what teen Titans did with a few of their new characters when, with the glass relaunch, mm-hmm. I mean, these were basically all doomed to fail by the way this whole thing was sort of uh, run out there, you know? I mean, I, I think you just need to look to Naomi, which we'll talk about in a bit, to see how effective one new character can be. Like, if they, if they had rolled out one of these at a time, give it three, four months in between it, you can, you can probably have built some momentum around them, especially when you consider the creators that were initially involved with these books. You know, this was supposed to be launched, this was supposed to be the artist-driven title, the titles, and it was going to be, you know, the initial lineup was like John Romita Jr., Greg Capullo, Jim Lee, uh, Tony Daniel, and... Oh, and I- Ivan Reyes on uh, The Terrifics. Mm-hmm. That was like the original concept was gonna be these these like all-star artists doing these art-driven books and they got so far behind schedule it never really happened i mean jim lee famously did not draw one full issue of the immortal men yeah you know it's just it's and if they had done it one at a time maybe it could have worked better but I, i think ultimately these books are just not very good they don't have very good concepts i think the strongest concept was the Terrifics, and that was one that didn't have new characters, and that was one that, even though it was supposed to be based around the artist, still felt the most like... It felt the most like the product of a writer really trying to craft something new. Mm-hmm. So it, do- I, it I doesn't think, surprise uh, me. I don't know. I think Unexpected had a good concept. I that think it was that was in the second wave, don't forget. Well, you, if you want to call... A, the one book that was released several months after everything else as the second wave, then yes, you were correct. And I will. Thank you. <laughs> but I feel like for that book, they maybe felt like we have this idea. I mean, that was always announced as a miniseries, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yep. it was not really like, I think Carrie Nord was the artist who launched the book. But it uh-huh. was not. But it was not written about as like the Carrie Nord vehicle, right? That you're you are right in that that one was more writer driven. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. You remember like they launched that with that big. Um, I think it was Philip Tan, illustrated um, banner. Mm-hmm. image with like all the new age yep. of heroes characters with DC universe characters. Like it was. And just, yeah. 
I can't wait for so this, so this episode I believe is episode one sixty six of our podcast. I can't wait till episode like two twenty two when I say, "Hey guys, how many issues did the Silencer run for?" And when we play that game that we played with so many new fifty two books, but with all the new Age of Heroes books, because <laughs> we're never gonna remember them. No. I'm gonna personally he, memorize all of them just I'm for Zach, that reason. Zach will, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, can you guys name all of the New Age of Heroes books? Yeah, Go sure. Silencer, Terrifics, Damage, Brimstone, um, um, <laughs> oh crap! What is the what's the one I just said? Brimstone. No, the one that the. Don't help him. This. This is Steve Orlando book. I already forgot what it was called. I just said it. Um, I I can do it. What's it? What it's the challenge oh, of the man. unknown. It's not challenge. That's not what I was thinking. The unexpected. Don't give him a hint. Unexpected. That's it. You, you were you you said go for it and and you were talking to both of us. You were. I think. Did we get all of them? No, sideways. You forgot to. Oh, yeah. Sideways. There's one, there's one more. Yeah. Did we say terrifics? You did. Okay, hang on. I just, Hold I on. just don't. I, I will. Oh, do the that. immortal men. No, yeah. Then you're, you're forgetting two. Then there's still one more. <laughs> so oh, you're forgetting you forgot one. one. <laughs> Damage. Um. Damage challenges the unknown silencer you said, sideways. You said, first of all, it's it's new challengers. Be specific. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't hear you say new challengers. Oh, okay. All right. New challengers, yeah. And by the way, Zach, Curse of Brimstone was also in the second wave. Was it? Yep. I don't know it about was. that. It was. What, when did it come out? Originally, Sideways was written by Didio with scripts by uh, Justin Jordan. And then at some point, Justin Jordan got his own book. Which was the Curse yeah, of Brimstone. Yeah, but, he was, but he, it was... Okay, now you're going to make me check dates. Okay, hold on. Because if you, I'm pretty sure Curse of Brimstone came out before Terrifics. Um, Terrifics might have been second wave too. Then I'm positive it did. Oh, I'm not positive of it. April fourth, twenty eighteen was Curse of Brimstone number one. Just waiting for it here. Shit. Okay, I'm wrong. Yep. Terrifics was February 28th. I just know Terrifics was really heavily delayed. It was. It was. Okay. So, you know, uh, I remember lots of people, I think including at least one of us, called this like the new Bloodlines when it came out. And Bloodlines, um, you know, the only character really stick from that is Hitman. And obviously Sideways is the only character that's going to stick from here because of Superman Day. Yes. Um, but... Is there any like concept or anything sort of that you think is going to low key hang around for a long time from this, or is this pretty much dead and buried? Um, concept from this, concept, character, anything. There's okay, so we know that there's a sequel to Metal coming. Yes, right. Well, you, you've heard about that. Yeah, Snyder is it, and Cap- is that Snyder Justice and Doom War thing. I think it's something different from I think that. It, I think it is different, yeah. I haven't heard about this. I didn't know this. Is it by sequel to metal, do you mean like 
That's all he said. He he just said the sequel to Metal. And he didn't say like a spiritual sequel. He said like the sequel. Like this is Metal Part 2. History of the World Part 2. Okay. Secret History of the DCU Part 2. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I I would not be surprised if in the sequel to Metal cuz he said there's going to be a bunch more variations of Batman. That's how I know it's a direct sequel to <laughs> To, to Dark Knight's Metal, I know, right? Batman uh, who shits. <laughs> the Batman who riddles. Um, oh, I want to cry. The, the Batman who yeah. freezes. Yeah, exactly, yep. Uh, the Batman who quins. Um, <laughs> the Batman who hats. <laughs> Ooh, I want to see that one. I bet he's got some twisted hats. <laughs> you don't want to you know, you know, brother. Hatman. 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 Yeah. Say Hat it fast. Hatman. um anyway i i would not be surprised if within that sequel there are some hints or even characters from this that that appear just based out of the the idea that the metal had something to do with the new age of heroes you know i I wouldn't be surprised if they double back on that but as far as like any of these characters ending up on any other teams getting any other books again i i do not think so. I've got it. Man, Batman. <laughs> He's a bat. He's a Who bat. A serum He's a... Yes. and becomes a man. A human flies in through his window <laughs> and lands on his face. What if it's Batman, man? <laughs> Repair, man, 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 man. Yeah. The deep cut. I guess Batman Man would have had a Batman flying through his window. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I must become a Batman. (laughs) (laughs) That would actually be really good. Oh, my mind is broken. For so, I don't know how, how to make this and it not be offensive, but my, my mind keeps coming around to bat mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, we're not gonna do that one. I mean, it could be where a bat boy becomes a batman. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll let Mark Russell do it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, we just spoke of Steve Orlando earlier. So let's speak about him some more with Electric Warriors number six, written by the aforementioned Steve Orlando, illustrated by Travel Foreman, the finale of the Electric Warriors miniseries. Vince, take it away. What'd you think? I I loved this ending. I loved this book. I'm I have no idea how it it ever got made or or it, that it was signed off on, but um, I thought this was such a a nice miniseries. Um, really nice to look at, and I think, I think it really shows the power of Steve Orlando's writing to take like a post Kirby DCU future, mix it with some essential elements uh, like Superman and Lex Luthor and Firestorm, kind of, uh, in a way that makes sense, is super compelling, super surprising. And then dropping like four or five character, brand new characters that we don't know anything about until the series starts. And 
making me care about all of them in this world. And then by the end, like want to see more because this ends on such a nice note where they create this like council council of electric warriors. Uh, it's the new United planets, Vince. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, the well, beginning I think, of Legion. Yes. So, uh, uh, Anyway, that is such a nice ending, and it makes me want more of this. When you know six issues ago, I knew nothing about any of these characters. It's 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 wild, what a good job Orlando does. You're also leaving out like a healthy dose of All Star Superman at the end here. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he lives in the sun. He does. Yep. This is like a love letter to everything Orlando wants comics to be. A little bit of Morrison, a little bit of Kirby, a little bit of Legion. It's great. So much fun. I um when this book was announced, I did not think that Travel Foreman was the right artist for this book, but I was happy to be proven very wrong on that. I think especially in this issue Foreman did some really, really good stuff. I particularly enjoyed Foreman's Lex Luthor in this issue. Um, but overall, I just felt like Travel Foreman did a really nice job of mixing the sort of futuristic technolo- technology that you need for a book like this without it ever feeling sterile. His work always felt really kinetic and really... Um, there were parts of it that were very messy in, in a... I mean that in a complimentary way. And I, I think that Foreman was just a really... Nice pairing for Orlando here. Zach, what did you think? Um, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm kind of mixed because I, I do think that Foreman's art here is really good and has been really good over the course of this series. But I also at the same time haven't loved it all the, all of the time for the some of the reasons I've mentioned before, um, just how... Uh, mostly more due to the coloring than anything. I, I just don't really care for kind of the the flat digital looking color palette that is used primarily. I think it makes the characters look a little bit less in, uh, interesting. Is not the right word. I, I just I just don't I don't care for it as much. Um, I think this issue actually maybe looked the best out of any issue so far. And maybe that's just because it's right here in front of me I'm, and I'm looking at it. But in in my mind, I think it looks better. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that this issue was really good. I thought that the, the stuff with Lex and Superman was really good. I thought the stuff with... Um, is it Ian? Is that the the fake war cry? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Him him and his brother. Um, man, the the thing with his brother making the sound constructs and they were actual words mm-hmm. made as constructs. That was such a good idea and portrayed so well. Um, so smart. Um, yeah. No, I. I like this issue a lot. I like this mini a lot. 
Um, I really hope Orlando does more with these characters. Um, I would love to see... Heck, I would love to see an ongoing with these characters, maybe. Or even, like, put Orlando on Legion and maybe do some kind of flash-forward, flashback thing with these characters and, and Legion characters. I don't know. Just, A, I want Legion, and, and B, these characters are really cool. Has anybody? Has there ever been a cool Dominator? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the race, not like someone who dominates. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying he he took a he 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 made a lot of things which sh- maybe should not be interesting or engaging. Very interesting, engaging. That's yeah. That's one of the things Orlando does best, I think, consistently. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think a Legion series that started like with these characters, like you said, Zach, whether it's in a flashback, flash forward thing, or just you know, see, I haven't read enough early Legion to know. I remember there was that Legion Secret Origin mini during mm-hmm. New Fifty Two. But aside from that, haven't we always kind of caught up with the Legion, like once they're already established? Um, I don't know when their origin was made, but like, was it? I mean, they pretty much always like begin. It? They always begin with you know the main three. Yeah. Um. As far as I know, but what I'm saying is, I would like to see like the origin starting this far back you know what i mean yes i agree yeah no i think that would be cool um if we had a like new incarnation of the legion that can trace itself back to the electric warriors that'd be pretty that'd be pretty cool yeah i agree well let's take a quick break we'll be back in just a minute with more dc3 cast hello podcast listener I'm Kevin. I'm Jess. And I'm Nick. And we are Make Mine Multiversity, a monthly podcast discussing all things Marvel Comics. Each month we will be discussing Marvel news and looking at some of their major recent comic book or movie releases. We also look at older storylines, character histories, and Marvel's place in the overall comics market. We have a variety of perspectives. The recent Marvel fan. The jaded longtime reader. And the reader who's finally digging into Marvel's back catalog after a decade of avoidance. You want to know what books made me cry this month? What books made me almost cry this month? And what books I wish would make me feel something? Check out Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast, the fourth Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcast, or your podcatcher of choice. And Make Mine Marvel Multiversity. Multiversity. And we are back with a discussion of Justice League number 22, written by James Tynan IV. Illustrated by Francis Manipal. The origin of the multiverse revealed. Zach, you described this book a certain way before we started recording. No, I didn't. (laughs) I think you did. No, I didn't. I said that Manipal's art is really good. And I did not say anything else. 
stop putting words in my mouth. Okay, I'm going to rank the three best things about this issue, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Number one is Batmite. <laughs> yes. That was a great moment. Number two is Manipul's art. And number three is that there's no way there can be a wordier comic than this this month. <laughs> yeah, we just keep we just keep saying that about about these Tinyan books. And I do I like him as a writer. I really do. Yeah, to me this isn't about what he writes. It's about the utter lack of editing. If you wanted to make this the new sort of history of the multiverse, I, I get that. I understand why you want to write that story. But but to do it in this particular fashion, where it's just so wordy and unnecessarily so, by the end of this issue, is anybody really paying attention? I don't know. I mean, I paid attention because I read it. I read stuff without paying attention all the time. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Zach. What are you, some kind of... Uh... Wizard? Yeah. That's why I read so few books, is because I give such attention to every one of them. What are you, the monitor? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, of the three of us, like, real quick, who's the monitor, who's the anti-monitor, and who's the world forger? And wow. then I have a question about the world forger. Okay, but first we have to establish this very important question. All right, you're okay. the monitor, Zach, because you pay attention to every book you read, apparently. No, but you read every book. All right, here's how, here's how it's going to go. Here's how it's going to go. Zach is the world forager. Vince is the anti-monitor. And because I usually fall somewhere in the middle, I am the monitor. <laughs> okay, well, then that leads me to my existential question, then, if I'm the world forager... What is the difference? I should have asked this in the last uh, issue of Justice League. What is the difference between Alfie, the world forger, um, Alfie. and the hawk world forger in Dark Metal? Ooh, ooh. Uh, I know this Mr. because Kante. it's... <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I know this because it's mentioned in this issue. Um who pays attention but, now, Vince? Well, yeah, but the problem is, well, is, I'm is not, it though? I don't it, know. It is. It is. I, it is. It is. I don't know uh, about that. It is, but I'm going to. I'm going to. I think not, you're extrapolating a little bit. Well, it's not like explained explicitly, but they meant he mentioned something about talk amongst yourselves, and I'm going to look. Okay? Are you thinking about the Barbados thing? It's Barbados. No. Barbados is an island in the Caribbean. Barbados, Barbados. No, no, no. Just keep talking about it. I'm going to look for it. Hang on. Um, I, I guess what what this what so much of this James Tynan stuff comes down to is just that he really cares about how everything started, and I more care about what's like what's going to happen versus what has happened, and. I could not care less about how the multiverse was formed, even though that's a very Brian thing to care about. It just seems to me like very little good can come from a story well, about how the DC multiverse was formed. Don't you think that... I I love a good secret origin as much as anybody. Like I've read so many Jeff Johns comics that 
I I don't know how to finish that sentence, but at, it comes a point where you explain so much that it becomes uninteresting. And I, yeah. I'm afraid we're approaching that point. Let the mystery be. There we go, boy. I mean, we lose Vince. But he's oh, he's looking up this. Uh, okay. Yeah. This minutia. Yeah. Well, I will, what were you gonna say, Brian? I was gonna say though, like I, I feel like you and I, loving Lost and loving the left the leftovers, is a perfect testament to that. Like, the leftovers was so good because it never tried to explain anything. And Lost struggled so much towards the end when it tried to over-explain everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just. I, I I can't find it. I'm not gonna be able to find it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up. I thought for sure it was mentioned. Forget I said anything. Maybe I'm thinking of a different issue. But is it, I mean, was that, that hot character in Metal was referred that, to as the Forger of Worlds, right? I thought that was the guard, I thought that was the Guardian of the World Forge. That, that is what it is. That's what it is. Because that's literally. You are correct. That's literally a manifestation of Carter Hall. It is, it, it is. But I, I thought that he was depicted as actually forging things and do he, he had a I thought I that know. too and the, I thought that too and I thought that that's why I saw that somewhere but it again it might not have been in this issue no yeah I, I, now I that really you're saying it, I do think he was just the guardian of the world of the world forger here I'm 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 let's see I think he had a big cool hammer that would make it look like he was yeah. forging shit <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Carter Hall is the dragon of Barbatos, Barbados, it's Toast, it has to be Toast, Barbatos, but that yeah. sounds weird, that just sounds weird, I don't like it, uh, <laughs> and Keeper of the Dark, Keeper of the Dark Forge, which is different than the World Forge. Is it though? I think so. Because doesn't the World Forger make the planets in the Dark Multiverse? No, I thought he makes planets, worlds, but some fall into the dark multiverse, which this issue definitely does say something about. You see the problem we're having. <laughs> yes, exactly. As I've said on this show countless times, no, it has to be your bull. Like, there's just we're really lost in in a in a joke here, and we can't find our way out of it. Um, I just think we need to cool it with these secret histories. It really is like every other issue. And also, we, there's still so much to be explained. Well, we don't know. Say that. We still don't know two or three of these secret powers or. or um, yeah. Um. I am very excited for the inevitable Batman Mitzelpitalik encounter. Batmite, sorry, Batmite Mitzelpitalik encounter. That's fun if that actually happens. 
Um, Manipal's art is good in this issue. I do not think this is great Manipal art. I think it's good, but I think he's I, certainly I done better. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just need to cool it with all these secret histories. Please. Please, DC. Um, what did you guys think about the um, the sort of... I don't want to say retcon, because it really doesn't change... Crisis on Infinite Earths at all. But do you think there is any reason to recontextualize Crisis yet again? No. No. <laughs> Not really. I agree completely. This issue did remind me of something, which I guess was in um, Dark Side War, that the Antimonitor's name is, actually, is Mobius, and that's why the Mobius chair is called the Mobius chair. Mm -hmm. Yes. That was Dark Side War, I guess so. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, all right then. Let's move over to Naomi, number four, written by Brian Bendis and David Walker, and illustrated by Jamal Campbell. You know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about the new um, Young Animal titles. Oh yeah, oh, we did, and that was the big news. Do you want to save that for the end, or yeah, we'll is that, that like an interlude right now? No, okay. we'll save that. Uh, Jamal Campbell reminded me of that though, because he's on. Yeah, the very good sounding one. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Anyway, so Naomi number four, this issue gives us her secret origin, and we still don't really know where she's from, or what her deal is. We know she's from the context of these in this issue. I think it has been Lee, or I think it. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about it in a minute. I yeah. feel like I have seen Bendis talk about it. Okay, but you know, in story at least, you know, we have not been told sort of what her complete deal is. But we do know that her father is from Ran, and that D, the sort of uh, the mechanic who befriends her, he's from Thanagar, and. We get sort of a fun riff on the Superman birth story, uh, not birth story, adoption story rather, of, you know, Mom Pa Kent driving along and seeing this meteor crash, finding a spaceship, and Naomi sort of presumes that's how her story is going to go as well, and then it's quite different than that. Um, because of, of the really stunning art here, the, this issue told almost entirely in two-page spreads. Um, I thought this was a really good issue. I thought it, it did a nice job of giving the character some backstory, but not it feeling just like an exposition dump. Um, I dug it. Zach, I know you cared for this issue quite a bit as well, right? Yeah, I love this issue. I think it's the best of the series. I think it's the best issue this week. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was <laughs> terrific. I thought Campbell's art um was fantastic <clears throat> i loved the the double page spreads and especially the small panels which he has been doing a lot um but there's particularly the page right before the big two-page splash where um where naomi's birth mom and the those people came through the portal that's just all um small panels sometimes that are connected to each other um but never actually fully connected it's just things from panels bleed over into other panels um 
it just looks so good to me. It looks really cool. It it feels um like the superhero version of a of a Chris Ware comic or something. Mm. Um that's like a really interesting description. It's obviously way different stylistically, but it's kind of in that same spirit, I feel like. Yeah. Wow, good call. Vince, what do you think of this issue? I loved it. I wish this was the second issue of the series. <laughs> yes, we all do. <laughs> you know? I, but, like, I, yeah. Go, go, what were you going to say, Zach? I was going to say I, I would tend to agree with you, but I actually I think that maybe we could have had one less issue in here, but I do think that kind of the buildup that we've had with introducing D and, and kind of this well, what is it? You know, what's what's the deal here? Really made this issue land even more strongly. Yeah, and for I, me, I I think the first issue accomplished that stuff for me. Um, I get, I, but I get what you're saying. But at the same time, like this is comic books, and we get one of these a month, and, uh, and only six of them this year, probably. And only six of them this year, and uh, and it takes a lot of time for the artists to do work this good, and they cost four dollars, and <laughs> so I want this story faster than than that. You know what I mean? Uh, and I that's probably not, you know, I think you could argue that that's not fair of me to like. <laughs> demand a, a more <laughs> demand. Oh, yeah and that's not what i'm doing i'm just saying i would prefer like i don't even really remember what happened in the second and third issue what i remember is how the book began which you know set up this mystery introduced you to d did a little bit with her parents and now i and now i know this issue yeah, and I, you could have cut out the second issue because I do remember that the the second issue was essentially the same as the yeah the first it, issue. it really was yeah. so 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 we're splitting hairs here but but you know either way this is one or two issues too many to get to this point and this was a glorious issue um, it's probably like Zach you were saying it's your favorite DCU book of the week probably mine too um the art was stunning it's like campbell was almost holding something back until i mean it's been a very consistent book but as far as like the inventiveness of the the panel work and the sort of uh uh layouts and the and the timing of things i want to see clearly his strongest work i want to see campbell do like a a ran thanagar series yeah, there's that yeah. one, like half a page, of the battle between the two, and it's just absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Zach, so what you were gonna say? Uh, you think you heard Bendis? So I don't remember where I saw this or why I think this, and I may be way off, but I'm pretty sure that this is Jim World stuff. Okay, I think that was in the third issue. I think in the third issue we. S- there was something about Gem World. Is that what it was? Maybe it was. Okay. Well, then maybe that was 
maybe that's not what this is then, but if it is, that makes me think it even more so because maybe it's foreshadowing stuff. Um, and that's a very Bendis thing to do is to tie in secondary threads between the different books that he's doing or working mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Um, but also, I know this is not what it is, but that symbol on the thing looks like a White Lantern symbol, but it doesn't have enough rays. Thought. Yep, I thought the same thing. Like, yeah. I was like, oh shit, um, she's a White Lantern. That's not that's not what I expected. But actually, you know what? It it looks like a White Lantern symbol, but it's actually much more like a Black Lantern symbol. Mm, yes. I spent a good like 10 minutes today looking at the various logos yeah, and trying the, to the, figure it out. The Black Lantern has five lines because it's a hand. Yeah. But that circular pattern there is more associated with the White Lantern symbol. Which means that it's neither. It's yes. it, it's like the it's like the opal gem world. Yeah. Symbol or something like that is what it's going to be. I don't know that, but you know. Yeah. Um, now, Bendis has said that Naomi will operate kind of like Hellboy did, where it will be an ongoing made-up of miniseries, and that they're going to take a break for a little while now. I think that probably means Jamal Campbell's not going to do the second one, because of the the book we're going to talk about later, the Young Animal book. Um, but it's a real shame, because I think that Jamal Campbell does a really, really good job in having it in this world. And I hope we do get to see him on a, this title at some point in the future. Yeah. Although maybe by taking a break, that would allow him to work on it a little bit more. Sure, yeah. Slowly and, and kind of stay on it, almost like the Saga model a little bit. Um, saga coming to an end, by the way. Is it? Yep. Issue 102, is it? 106? Okay, yeah. Did so they it, announce when it's coming back? Uh, I don't know about that. I think they said late this year. Okay. I could be totally wrong about that, though. That's... You guys talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I'm looking this up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, 108. Sorry, I was wrong. That, ma that makes sense, because it's a got to be a multiple of six. Oh. Uh, Oh man, I actually I haven't read the most recent arc. I have. Oh me either. I'm I'm singles, way behind. But uh, well, I that I've read everything up to that. I just need to sit down and read it. What's what's issue one of that worth? Because I have two copies of that. Ooh. I, it's it's. I know it's like worth a little something. I think. Um. Maybe not. Um, oh, no, this is what it said. The only thing that's been announced is that there's going to be a Saga Compendium released in October. But Which is not... like half of the half of the series, I think. Yeah. But they have not said when the next new issue is coming out. Um, anyway, any anyway. other any other Naomi thoughts? Oh, wow. OK, no, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, well, there's Naomi, a, there's a CGC. Saga's good. There's a CGC um, 
9.6 graded copy going for $240 on eBay. Uh, mine's, uh, mine's not mine's not fancy graded. Oh, but there's a fifth print variant going for $60. All right. Teen Titans, issue number yeah. 29. Yeah, Teen Titans 29, written by Adam Glass, illustrated by Bernard Chang. The Terminus Agenda Part 3, uh, in which Kid Flash figures out what's going on. What's going on? Vince, I feel like you've been quiet tonight. I have. I what? What did you think of this issue? Um, I liked it. I, it's it's the Adam Glass issues. They're not bad. They're not on the same level as the Priest ones, obviously. Yeah. But something that I loved about this issue was that Glass managed to find a way to pack in tons and tons and tons of character moments right here in the middle of an eventy crossover arc, you know? Um, you got the moment where uh, Crush reveals that she's gay. I couldn't think of her name for a second. Um, you've got... And then kisses Jin, too. Right, right. And then, well, because she reveals herself to gold, gold balls. I always yeah. call him gold balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Um, and that, yeah. And then goes, it goes and reveals to, to Jin and kisses her. And then there's, there's other stuff about, um, uh, Wallace and his place on the team and, uh, Damien and Emiko and how, you know, she's, she's been privy to his plot and Wallace hasn't and the conflict that that causes. And, None of that stuff really has anything to do with the with Deathstroke being in this book, right? But it's not given the short shrift. It's all it's all here, and it all strengthens uh, what we know about this team and these characters and how they interact with one another. And I think I think it was really nicely done. Actually, I was kind of surprised at how little this really advances the Terminus agenda as a story, honestly. Well, unless would... I'm unless I'm misremembering, there's not a heck of a lot in that story that gets advanced. Yeah, other than Deathstroke breaks out, everyone breaks out. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. It was it was such a good issue that it didn't bother me. I didn't think about it that much. Right. What I was gonna say is that my only real criticism of this issue is that. It's not really a terminus. It feels more like a terminus agenda agenda tie-in, <laughs> yeah, versus yep. a terminus agenda like key component. Um, but Bernard Chang is so good, and Glass's team is really starting to come together. And like you said, Vince, we get so many little character moments within this issue that it's really pretty remarkable. And I don't know if Glass has improved as a writer considerably since his Suicide Squad days. Or if this is just a better vehicle for his writing, or if I didn't give his Suicide Squad the proper attention it deserved, whatever it is. But this is a very pleasant surprise. And um, no, his Suicide Squad was bad. Okay, <laughs> uh, you, you should do a big Suicide Squad reread next, Vince. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a fun issue, Zach. 
Yeah, I have enjoyed this series greatly and or this crossover greatly and continue to. Cool story, Zach. Wow, you asked me what I thought and I told you I quit the podcast. Gosh. As I said to Vince last week, I'm sorry I expected a co-host to co-host. <laughs> you Zach asked did... me what I thought about it. At least Zach didn't nod off during the <laughs> that episode. Is true. Give, give him that much credit. That is true. All right, well, before we get to our last bit of news, let's do our lists for the week. Uh, on the good list is American Carnage. Oh, that's on the great list. That, I was going to say, I think we need to have a new, a new list, the great list. So the book did something really ballsy, which I think is, um, like, as you're reading it, you clearly see the evil intent behind it. But the way that white supremacy is explained in the first few pages mm. is mm-hmm. done in this way that you could see somebody falling for it. And I feel like that's really hard to do in a comic or in any medium, because you don't want to give this terrible idea, this terrible ideology, any sort of, like, foothold in reality. But Brian Hill does a really good job of laying out why some people feel the way they do in a way that was very scary to me. It's super scary. I was reading it, and I I kept thinking, like, and there are going to be some people who read this and, and are like, yeah, this guy gets it. He he understands what <laughs> I've been what saying mean. all along. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is scary in that way. But what an issue. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just to tack on to that, I think the, 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 what Brian Hill does is he takes – some slightly reworded things that you see from some of the, I don't want to say anything in specific to make anyone mad at me or anything, (laughs) but you see some certain political figures, some writers and uh, television personalities, professors and television personalities and whatnot. Crustaceans. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Saying some of these exact things like maybe the, maybe there's a few words here and there changed a little bit so that they're not direct quotes but i know i've seen these things before and very recently and they are all things that people will point to and they'll say well come on that's not technically racist look at that yep but you know what's behind it and it's it's so clear um and this book lays it out in a way that you're right it's very direct it speaks the way that these people the same way that these people speak. But then because it's within the context of this comic book series that we know is about um, racial division in some way, I mean, that's not the only thing it's about, but that's a major component. Uh, You see it in that context and you realize, so I, I hope people see these dog whistles. You know, my hope is that the flip side is that they see these dog whistles for what they are, you know. Now I don't know if these people are reading American Carnage, you know what I mean? Right. Like the people who are going to benefit from this are probably not reading this book or have um, fallen off at, by this point. Yeah, but it's a but but there is so much truth to to the way that Brian Hill presents it and like you said it's it's really scary that you know this stuff passes as um everyday discourse these days it's out there it's it's wild man 
Yeah, such a great issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, back to our lists after Chris that. Crustaceans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, on the okay list, we have Aquaman. On the bad list, we have Nightwing. On the vertical list, we have High Level. And on the Brian Michael Bendis list, we have Pearl. So that is the list for this week. Um, yeah, we did want to talk about the announcement that starting in July, Young Animal returns. Uh, there'll be three new Young Animal books. One is uh, a continuation of Doom Patrol, which is called Doom Patrol Weight of the Worlds. This is a 12-issue miniseries written by Gerard Way and Jeremy Lambert with art starting out in the first issue by James Harvey, but followed by Doc Shaner, Nick Patara, Becky Cloonan, and more, with covers by Nick Darrington. Hmm. Italian chef kiss emoji. Yeah, James Harvey's so good. Yes, it's really is. embarrassing how how good that is. How good that lineup of artists is. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, super exciting, super fun. Can't wait for that. Uh, the second book announced is probably the one that I'm least excited about. Uh, it's called Collapser. It is written by My Chemical Romance's Mikey Way, as well as uh, Sean Simon, and illustrated Nepotism by much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> illustrated by Elias or Ilias, not sure how that's pronounced exactly. Uh, Kaizen uh, Kiriazis. I'm I'm terrible at pronouncing names, as we all know. But uh, I'm just going to read this. Defoe. <laughs> yes. I'm going to read the solicit here. Uh, Liam James is a wannabe DJ whose life goals are almost completely dashed by his crippling anxiety until a package arrives in the mail containing a black hole that gives him amazing powers and draws him into a cosmic conflict far beyond anything he'd imagined. But Liam will discover that when he comes to life, love, mental health, and superhero responsibilities, there is no such thing as a quick fix and that power comes with a cost. Any initial anything thoughts to that? Willem Defoe, eh? um yeah it's it sounds okay i mean i certainly identify with some of that (laughs) oh oh, sure yeah um but i think we're all here to talk about far sector which is a uh a book by uh nk jemison and uh illustrated by Jamal Campbell, the aforementioned Jamal Campbell. And this is a Green Lantern book that is set in a far sector, like the title says, um, but it's not going to interact with the rest of the core. It's going to be just a, essentially a solo Lantern book from a really, really exciting creative team. Uh, Jemison is a, is a prose author who is really, really, I mean, it's it's always fun to see when when a comic is announced by a creator that you personally don't know that much about, but all of your followers on Twitter or people you are friends with on Facebook, whatever, like blow up in excitement over it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt when this book was announced. You know, I'm not super familiar with this work, but I think it's it's a. I said this work. Her. Oh, I thought you said. No, his I said work, this sorry. work. I, as soon as I said, okay. I said it sounds like his, but no, it. I know it's a female. Um, but like I, I have never, I have never read one of her novels or anything, but I've heard my, they're really good. Yeah, some I, of my friends like flipped out when they heard this. So that's awesome. I don't read books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the problem. I would love to, I read too many of these dumb, funny books. That's true. Hey, a thousand issues of tech wasn't going to read itself. That, that is, that's 
equitable to one book. <laughs> one novel. <laughs> if that novel is Infinite Jest. <laughs> I've always said Just that Detective Comics is the Infinite Jest of comics. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, so how, how great does this book sound? It sounds great. It looks great. That cover is immediately um, eye-catching and, and gripping. And you want to... That, that cover makes you want to read a book about that character right off the bat. And Campbell's great. Cam, how far Campbell has come, too, because I've, we've always kind of liked Jamal Campbell, but then there were times where, where we're like, ah, is this the good Jamal Campbell or is this like the less good, you know? And there's been really not, not anything from the less good Jamal Campbell in a while, <laughs> right? I don't remember us ever... Asking if there was a less good Jamal Campbell. Well, maybe it was just me. There, there were times where, like, I think, I think when he was on JLA, that I thought some of that stuff was a little stiff. Okay. I think I'm with you, Vince. I, there, I think there have been times. Yeah. But, but now, like, literally everything he does is breathtaking, um, and I don't get any of that stiffness anymore. So, um. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. That's the only book without a release date. It just says later in 2019. Mm. But let's hope it comes soon. I did want to talk about how a collapser is actually interesting in one way where when the original Young Animal lineup was announced, each of the books had some sort of tether to older DC work, whether it was Doom Patrol or, you know, Shade the Changing Man being the antecedent, obviously, to Shade the Changing Girl, or... Cave Carson being an established DC character or Mother Panic taking place in Gotham. And, you know, Far Sector is very much in that sort of tradition of doing a book that is sort of on the periphery of the DC universe. Whereas Collapser seems like the first really separate idea to come from Young Animal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't think it has to be good or bad. It's going to be interesting to see what makes these young animal books versus like, like what makes far sector a young animal book uh, uniquely ex other than like another or instead of another DCU green lantern book, you know what I mean? What makes uh, the black hole collapser, not a vertigo book. Well, that's, you know? a, that's a really interesting question because Part of me wonders if um, if Gerard Way always had it in his mind that each sort of wave of books would feel different than the one before it, or if there is like a young animal tone, or if we just perceive that because of the first four or five books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, at least in terms of making the comparison with Far Sector being a young animal Green Lantern book. I mean, Mother Panic was essentially just a young animal Batman book. There yeah, wasn't so, necessarily... So what I'm saying is, what I'm yeah. saying is, is, is Far Sector going to be more mature? I would guess so. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of my question. Or is it just going to be another... Yeah. I also just realized I forgot two young animal books. I forgot Bug and I forgot um, Eternity Girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. We all forget Bug. <laughs> uh, sorry, 
to all of our uh, madman fanboys out there. Who That's are me. Just, yep. Who are just, you know, uh, sharpening their pitchforks right now to come after us. Mm-hmm. How dare we forget Mike Allred? Yeah, Eternity Girl was a, a original character, I guess. I mean, she was kind of like intentionally modeled a little bit after what Element Element, Element Girl, Girl or, yeah, but but wasn't that character right? Yeah. You know? Um, but I I feel yeah. like with all those books, there was still some sort of tether to the DC universe. Yes, whereas Collapser doesn't really have that. But it um, might. We just don't it know. Might. It. Absolutely, it does. It doesn't. At the outset and from the first solicit, it does not have that. Yeah. Um, we should also mention, just because um, we haven't talked about the, the July solicits yet, but July also sees the release of the two new um, Metropolis comics, the uh, Lois Lane book from Greg Rucka and the Jimmy Olsen book from Matt Fraction, both of which are announced as 12-issue series, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any particular thoughts on those being 12 issue limited series as opposed to traditional ongoings? Um, I think it's, I think whenever that happens, like clearly, clearly they're spinning out of, um, Bendis's work. Right. Mm -hmm. So does that mean they're going to be 12 issues that seem to be relatively intimately tied to what Bendis is doing? Or do they spin out of those books because of interest in these characters? But then Rucka says, well, this is my chance to write a Lois Lane book. I'm, I don't want to be beholden to whatever Bendis has got going on. You know what I'm saying? I really doubt. I kind of doubt that they will be closely tied to Event Leviathan. Okay. That's my guess. Uh, I, yeah, I think if they were ongoings, they would be way more likely because that's yes. the Bendis model to yes. launch a, an ongoing that ties into whatever event is happening. Um, but it seems it's really the 12 issue thing. If these were six issue minis, I would say, yeah, they're going to tie into Event yes, Leviathan, but they're 12. So, I think they'll be different. Uh, we also forgot to mention that uh, July sees the uh, the release of the most anticipated book from the DC3 cast, Batman Curse of the White Knight, number <laughs> one, by Sean Murphy. Yep. Jeremy Hatchett's looking forward to that one, I know. <laughs> Fr- friend of the show. Yep. Fan of the show. And also sees the um, all the new... Um, all the Walmart stories started to be released. Yes. That's right. Uh, I got to tell you guys, the Walmart um, sort of book holders or cardboard uh, c- cases or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call them at my local Walmarts are all completely gone. The, any trace of DC uh, Walmart specials has been wiped from the stores in my area. Wow. So that 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 appears to be done. Um. So just quickly looking at these uh, solicits for Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, I don't think they're going to have anything to do with Event Leviathan. Uh, see, I don't read. The, I got. I got to start reading the solicits. Just, just check out how great this <laughs> fraction. I presume Fraction wrote this one himself, and we should say 
that the Jimmy Olsen book is illustrated by Steve Lieber and Mike Perkins is illustrated in the Lois Lane book. So here's a Jimmy Olsen solicit. Jimmy Olsen must die. Wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Jimmy Olsen lives. Superman's best friend and Daily Planet photographer Jimmy Olsen tours the bizarre underbelly of the DC Universe in this new miniseries featuring death, destruction, giant turtles, and more. It's a century-spanning whirlwind of weird uh, that starts in Metropolis and ends in Gotham City. And then we kill Jimmy. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. So I'm in. Yeah. July is a huge month for DC. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, this wasn't, um, you know, I don't think build with a lot of fanfare and the solicits, but there was a lot of stuff about this um, uh, this thing. I don't know if you caught in a lot of books that have villains in them about this thing called the the offer. Yes. In quotes. Um, that spins out of be, the year of the villain. Right. Yeah. It seems to be. Yeah. It's like building up to something that. Snyder is doing but it's been a long time since we've had a kind of universe spanning thread like that Mm -hmm. I really can't remember the last time we've had something like that I I guess it's rebirth but even then it was there wasn't a I mean I guess so there were some books that mattered more than others for for that you know for sure um, what I was going to say is I don't know if it's possible to do that anymore because I feel like right now everything about DC is so quarantined that like there are definitely the Bendis books and the Snyder books and I wonder if an idea from one of those two guys would bleed out to the other's books right now well but I mean so like one of the the first one that I noticed the offer showing up in was Catwoman which very much falls under the Tom King umbrella. And then um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that had it. I really can't. It actually sounded like a lot of them would have almost backup style things, because I think it was mentioned in Wonder Woman, maybe having to do with Cheetah. Um, I know Cheetah was mentioned. Maybe that was in Justice League, but I, I, I got the, impression from a lot of the solicit text that it it had you know the main story and then it was like and then also this villain something something the offer oh interesting huh well anyway uh thanks for joining us folks we as always have fun with you on the show uh are we ready for our most popular segment yeah yes uh I have it right here. Lay it on a spot. Nope, that is this week's. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next so week. we're going to talk about what's Oops, coming out next week up. from yes. DC Comics. Action Comics. Uh, Batgirl. Batman Beyond. Oh, wasn't there Batgirl news? Did you mention that? Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, but Cecil Castellucci taking over Batgirl as of July as well. All right. That sounds good. It does. Uh, Batman Beyond. Books of Magic. Detective Comics, uh, <laughs> Batman in Detective Comics, uh, <laughs> Dial H for Hero, uh, Flash, Freedom Fighters, Goddess Mode, Heroes in Crisis 8. Is that true? That is we, true. 
Oh man, we're getting so close. Yeah. Uh, Justice League Dark, Silencer, uh, Terrifics, the first issue of the Gene Yang Terrifics. Is that yeah, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And Wildstorm twenty two, and a nice issue of Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's gonna be a big week. Big week. Ooh, uh, that Wildstorm. Until then, remember we want to hear what you want us to do with DC Universe. So tweet at me or Zach. My Twitter is at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at Woker Fox. If you need Vince, he is sitting by his phone waiting for his two friends to text him on his birthday. But he has uh, shitty friends. I hope they do. I am actually putting it in my calendar right now for next year. Thanks. So I'm a bad friend. I, I'm bad with birthdays in general. I really am. I, I really don't care. Uh, you brought it up twice now, so clearly you do. <laughs> you brought it up. Uh, you brought it up last week and this week. That's twice, buddy. <sighs> there we go. April. Don't say that. I'm not April 2020. <laughs> I'm putting it in here right now. Oh, I'm in May. Almost, almost forgot again. Put, put it in May. See what happens. No, I'm gonna say. Let's see. Baby wants his baba. <laughs> God, you're an asshole. Just kidding. Vince's birthday. There it is. I ha- I have it for you. I don't know why my phone did this. It's celebrating your birthday between two forty five and three thirty <laughs> on, on your birthday next year. So you can, you can do that if you want. You'll have a solid yeah. forty five minutes of, of celebration from me. <laughs> why not? Sure. One for each of your forty five years. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week. Enjoy and uh, see you then. Gin and wine sounds like a terrible combination to me. Well, they weren't all at the same time. I know that, but still. <laughs> well, I drank the gin drink very fast, and then I had to have the wine drink. And then you had a lager drink and a cider drink? Yes. I sang the songs that remind you of the good times? <laughs> yes. What'd you do after that? Um. Sang the songs that remind you of the better times. Come on. <laughs> Don't make me do all the work here, guys.